It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Rave. Alright, yeah, my name's Jacob, here on Community Radio 3CR, and in the studio this week for probably one of the last times, I dare say. And next week I'll be doing the show... Um, live to air from Sydney and so to the people listening in Sydney who I'll be staying with and who told me they'll be listening today I want to give a special shout out to the Sydney crew who um, listen to me um, religiously they said from Sydney now I won't say religiously because that um, has a whole lot of amazing implications hasn't it but, um, yeah, anyway, g'day to the Sydney crew and, of course, to all the Melbourne crew and anybody else who may be listening from anywhere else um, around the planet through 3cr.org.au via the podcast or on 855am here in Melbourne or 3CR Digital um, through the wonders of digital radio. Now a couple of weeks ago we had a um, we had our subscriber drive and a couple of people rang me in and told me that they were going to subscribe, and some of you have and some of you haven't. So it's that time when I put my nasty voice on, and let me say that you need to ring up three CR on nine four one nine eight three seven seven and come good with your promises, comrades. Otherwise, we'll have to send some people round to assuage any concerns you may have about subscribing. But anyway, that's um, about all um, nasty Jacob I can do in the course of a week. And what a week it's been. It started off, folks, with news that the Department of Defence had shut down its PowerForce database over fears that it had been hacked. Now, here's one of the interesting things, so many interesting things about this, but the first interesting thing is that they don't know whether they were hacked or not. In other words, I mean, that's through other sources and what I hear about the traps. Um, They were hacked, but they can't say how they were hacked, and they don't want to say they were hacked, so they're saying they don't know whether they were hacked or not. Um, now, the PowerForce database, what is it? First of all, it's basically all the personnel files on all serving ADF members and includes sensitive information, they tell us. What sensitive information? Well, the media has said things like medical and psychiatric records. Now, that last bit on its own should be a doozy to read, eh? The psychiatric records of Australian troops. Bugger me. But what I'm hearing is it also contains other records, including records like who is or was deployed, where and when and with what units. It's basically the um, it's the overarching um, employment um, database of the Department of Defence. Now, a couple of things, a couple more things seem strange um, that haven't been pointed out by the mainstream media. And the mainstream media seem to have done their usual due diligence in reporting this, and they've done that simply by cutting and pasting from the Department of Defence's press releases on the subject. Now, seriously, go to defence.gov.au, follow the links to their press releases. There's a little thing on the top that says media room, whatever. 
and then compare their quotes with every mainstream media press report. Word for word quotes lifted. Some of the really classy, tricky journalists have changed syntax, but not by much. In fact, you can do this with just about any issue on the subject of national security. When you see um, a report in the mainstream media about something happening in the Department of Defence or ASIO or any of these other organisations, just take a break, go to their website, look at their press release, and you'll be amazed. Well, you shouldn't be amazed, but you probably will be at um, just how towing the line our mainstream media is. But that's by the by. This hack is important. Because to, and one of the reasons it's important is because to date, Australian troops have relied on a certain amount of anonymity in regard to what they've done and where they've done it. If the database has in fact been hacked by foes hostile to the Australian military, or even, God forbid, by Australia's enemies, whoever they may be, it means that they will be able to find out, you know, not only the actual identities of the Australian troops in their medical and psychiatric records involved in any particular operation, but also things like their home addresses, families, etc. This would be bad enough. But it goes further than that even, eh? Um, the database, the power force they call it, is sort of an overarching, as I said, database for the entire department. And that could, and probably does, in fact would need to, include members' details from the Defence Intelligence Organisation, for example, the Department Spook Arm, as well as exposing the membership of the special, of different special forces, like the Special Air Service, or the SAS as they're normally known. And the implications of exposing the identities of people whose, oh, geez, whose identities are supposed to be kept secret well, to understand the implications of that, you only need to think why their identities are supposed to be kept secret in the first place. No wonder they scrambled and took the whole kit and caboodle offline for a couple of weeks. But there are also other questions. Now, we assume that any hack of this data set would have come, or the assumption, I don't assume, you probably shouldn't assume, but it is assumed that the hack would have come from a as I say, hostile to the Australian military. Possibly, but maybe not. Maybe they're hostile to Australia. Maybe they're just self-interest. Who else would have a very clear reason reason to um, hack into this um, database at this time? Now, I'm not, you know, no idea who hacked into it. But it seems strange that this is happening while there is an ongoing investigation into Australian war crimes in Afghanistan that I mentioned last week. It seems to me that people inside the Department of Defence, whether they're involved in the investigation or whether they're actually involved in covering up crimes that the investigation is looking into, would be one of the first people we'd be looking at about a hack into the HR records of the Department of Defence. Now, I'm just conjecturing here. I'm just conjecturing. But surely, as I say, it's one of the first things to consider. They're the people, you know, with immediately most to gain would be inside hackers. But let's look for a moment at the um, Power Force database itself. It's administered by a mob called Manpower, 
Now, that's not some sleazy male stripper company, but it's in fact the third largest staffing firm in the world and the largest in the United States. A spokesman for manpower was quoted as saying, well, basically nothing in the media, just saying that um, it appears a breach may have happened, we're investigating it, but straight off the presser. But the company that built the software is another mob altogether called Citrix Systems. Now, there are US-based software firms that claims that its products are used by 99% of Fortune 100 companies. That's just top Fortune 100 companies. So 99% of the 1% use this company's software. And when you look at what the Citrix software does... Well, you can if you want to and just go and do a search on Citrix and um, follow links, but you don't have to because I've done that. It basically integrates information across other software pla um, programs and platforms, utilizes Microsoft source code, and um, they've just done a deal with um, codes to integrate Google um, information. And they enable data manipulation via their front-end interface across numerous programs, other programs. So what that means is the data isn't kept on software that Citrix does itself. The program is kept on traditional, let's call them that, Microsoft-style programs, um, whether it's the database or the spreadsheets or, or whatever. And what Citrix does is it gathers all the information from these other programs and puts it together so the people needing access to that data, to manipulate that data, to add things to that data or whatever, can do so via, well, a desktop platform or even an app. It's also um, a cloud service provider, one of the biggest providers of cloud services in the world, in fact, it owns www.cloud.com. It got in early. So when you look at this picture, the Department of Defence, and in this, they're not alone. Um, lots of federal and state government departments use Citrix software, as do Australian companies. Anyway, the Department of Defence uses a private company, Manpower, to service and maintain the software of a second private company, Citrix, both of whom are owned and controlled by foreign nationals, to integrate all of its human resources data across various platforms and divisions and make this data available through the cloud, accessible to anyone with the right password. Now, it sounds to me like an accident waiting to happen. Um, <clears throat> regular listeners would know um, I am not in favour of the Australian military. I'm not a pacifist by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not a supporter of the Australian military. But crikey's just looking at it from their perspective. Whoever set this system up ought to be taken out and flogged at the very least. Now there you know, there are there have been so many hacks into the Defence Department's um software over the years. You know, just a couple of years back when someone hacked into the data set, got all the plans for the new warships, AutoCAD plans, they could sit down and sit in the captain's chair at the helm. And all the plans for the Australian adaptations for the F-35 fighter. There's plenty more, but you can look them up for yourselves. One you probably, one hack you probably won't find much info on, though, is a hack attack 
on Citrix itself. Yeah, the company that builds these secure systems to protect the data of governments, militaries and Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies all over the world, just a couple of weeks ago, Citrix admitted that for five months between 2018 and 2019, hackers were running amok in their own databases taking personal information of its employees. This was discovered after... Well, it wasn't discovered, it was only admitted to after um, they were notified, publicly notified by the FBI about a possible incursion. The FBI reckons that the vulnerability in the system was exploited by a, um, a technique they call password spraying, where hackers try lists of commonly used passwords. Like, for example, I'm not going to believe this, but the words password or QWERTY, or even really tricky ones like QWERTY1. Yeah, that'd stop them. Anyone listening who has had any experience with the allocations of passwords or pins will know just how many dickheads there are out there that use such passwords or numbers. Next time you see a random keypad, for example, make sure there are no cameras around, but try punching in 1234 or get real tricky, 1357. Or when you hit a government website asking for access, again, just use the username guest or admin and the password password but make sure you're using a secure device and a public network through a VPN. But even that's not necessary. Random passwords utilising commonly used patterns such as birth dates and addresses can be generated by simple programs, little scripts that even I can build, and I'm not a hacker. And the larger the baseline data that you have to work out what the patterns are that people use for passwords, um, the quicker you can get a positive hit. And then you've got people who create amazingly complex passwords but then store them all on free passwords management programs online. For fuck's sake, people. Uh, So anyway, while we're spending untold billions on submarines, warships and attack fighters, it seems that we can't even protect the digital assets of our defence force because that's what we're talking about here. My supposition, and I want to put it straight there, it's an educated supposition, but just a supposition, is that the hack could well have come from inside the department. But just imagine for a moment, if you will, by a major suspension of disbelief, and believe what our government and media are telling us, that this is uh, you know, probably a hostile foreign forces that we need to defend Australia from. You know, all right, I'm going to use the C word, China. The implications that such information that they would obtain from access to our data systems, not just a power force data set, but, you know, previous hacks like the weapons plans, would be more damaging than any physical threat. Well, in fact, they'd lead to the physical threat. The Australian government, together with its media lackeys, are constantly banging on about the need for information security, keep introducing laws against what is effect whistleblowing, yet at the same time, They cannot keep their data on weapon specifications, troop movements or personnel information safe from hostile actors. If these people are in charge, folks, I hate to say it, but we're fucked. Now, you'd think we'd have some structure in place, wouldn't you, to assess the security risks posed by software that our governments are using. Well, there is, or rather there was, I say was because just a couple of days ago, the Australian Signals Directorate shut down its cloud service certification program. Now, 
you know, this is just, uh, it was a program, the ASD, previously DSD, a spook agency involved in the Five Eyes, while this was mainly involved in assessing the security of commercial cloud service providers, um, they also provided assessment to the government. And while they may still do perform this role, who knows, it's too highly secret for us to know, really, the fact that they're getting out of the business will result in a diminution of knowledge in the field. Not that it seemed they were on top of it anyway by all the recent leaks. In their press release, um, they pointed out, and here I'm going to quote straight from it, hello to someone who just sent me a signal message online about what I just said, and here I'm going to quote straight from it, Commonwealth entities continue to be responsible for their own assurance and risk management activities. In accordance with the Australian Government Secure Cloud Strategy, <laughs> registered trademark, Commonwealth entities are able to self-assess cloud services using practices already used to assess ICT systems. ICT systems, of course, meaning information communications technologies. But when you check out the Australian Government Secure Cloud Strategy, you get to the page of the government's Digital Transformation Agency, which seems to be a Department of Social Service division primarily concerned with getting as many government functions that usually deal with people online via Citrix-style interfaces, similar, say, to MyGov, um, online. So what they're talking about is having, on their website, is having all interaction between people and the government online via Citrix-style webs, similar to, say, MyGov, which I've got to say looks so much like other Citrix front ends that I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. But even if it wasn't, we're not talking about one company here, even if there are two or three companies who do the same thing. But here's another point. Let's assume that, say, the, what's the one I just, the MyGov app and other things like the Centrelink app are based on a Citrix or like model. Um, this is conjecture. Well, not purely conjecture. I haven't got the design specs for the app, but it looks to me so much like other apps I mean, in function rather than looks, um, by the way of so many other um, Citrix gigs, including those, by the way, that forced the Dutch government to shut down services due to hacks last year. Um, let's assume, I'm getting sidetracked here, let's assume that, um, that, they are, that that's what they are. What access is there across agencies? Okay, that's important because of all this data matching shit that's happening. Is it a case of the Citrix platform or other platforms, being used for data matching between government departments. It'd have to be. Or even being used by and therefore having access to a data set that includes data matched data sets. I don't want to sound like I'm going round in circles here, but what I'm saying is that once you start accumulating all this data and then you start matching the data between departments and divisions and then you introduce a foreign company to give you access to that data and manipulate some of that data, you're getting yourself into trouble. And what back-end access is there? You know, by the firms that administer these. Manpower, a multinational human resources company that's got stronger links with Citrix and the US government than it has with any of its clients, including the Australian government, Department of Defence or other governments. It's not too long a bow to draw. The government databases are so intertwined as far as accumulation goes that access to something like PowerForce or MyGov or whatever could provide access to other not immediately related data sets. 
and it seems that security access to these systems can be hacked by password spraying. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio down here on beautiful Smith Street, where it's 5.22. In other related news, there have been a few revelations that Australian police, including Vicpol, have been using the Clearview Facial Recognition Programme. They've been doing this both officially and as individuals, as Clearview was offered free trials to police personnel. Now, I'm not going to go into all the reasons here that this is a breach of basic human rights, you know. You also know the kind of uses this will be put to next time you're at a rally, smile for the cop with a camera, for Christ's sake. You want to have a good image. This is fairly high-tech stuff. And even though it's not 100% accurate, you know, um, critics of it and people who are trying to play it down say it's not 100% accurate. But what is? It provides enough near enough data to place your identity with, say, a couple or a few or, say, even a dozen people around the world. It doesn't make much, um, doesn't take much, I should say, more to narrow it down to who you are. As an example, your picture's taken on Swanston Street, may match with a dozen people around the world. Maybe only two or three of them are in Australia. If one data set places you as having been involved in some political or social activity in Melbourne and the other is an insurance salesperson in Brisbane, doesn't really matter that your picture matched with a dozen different entities. And the code for this program includes the ability to pair with things like Google Glasses. So anyone with the program and a set of augmented specs can track you in real time as you walk down the street. But then why would you bother when they could just be on a drone? Yeah, I know it sounds like some dystopian future nightmare in the mind of an extremely paranoid individual, which I probably am. But remember, the kind of surveillance shit and government interference and corporate control that's going on today seemed like a dystopian future only a few decades ago. And as it turns out, being the subject of this week's show as it is, Clearview AI was recently the subject of a major hack itself. Not their image database, they reckon, but its entire customer list which is how we know that it's being used by the AFP and VicPol and individual police officers. But the interest, and we know that because there was, they included their email addresses, which is uh, their number at vic.vicpol.gov.au. Um, the interesting thing about this data breach, to me at any rate, is the official response from Clearview AI through their legal team. And I'm going to quote here off their presser. Security is our top priority, but unfortunately... Data breaches are part of life in the 21st century, unquote. They go on to say that we patched the floor and continue to strengthen our security. Rather cavalier, I reckon. But then Clearview is a private company. Its mandate is not to secure the information at all costs, but to find a level of security that would enable it to provide a service at a cost that other companies and governments are willing to pay. That is the nature of capitalism. That is why defence uses Citrix and manpower. Everything is based on a cost versus service versus outcome equation. You got a problem with that? Got a problem with capitalism? Anyway, in more related news, and everything's related, but I reckon this is related because data breaches and facial recognition software. AI was developed by an Australian bloke, just by the way. Um, it all falls into the category of the spook biz. And we hear that Australia's former 
top spy guy, the head of ASIO, a bloke named Duncan Lewis, has joined the board of the Australian division of the French arms company, Talus. This is a career soldier who started out in the army, did some stints with the SAS, rose to the rank of Major General and ended up leaving the military and taking up the role of Secretary of the Department of Defence. The first person from the military, I've got to say, to take this role, which is important because up until then, the position of Secretary of the Department of Defence was a civilian, separating the roles of governance and the military. Now, though technically he was a civilian once he retired, he was and still is a military man. Duncan Lewis is not the first Secretary of the Department of Defence or even Defence Minister or other minister for that matter to take on a job with a Death Eater, sorry, arms company, on their retirement from public life. Oh dear, I was having a look at the board of Lockheed Martin the other day. You know, just looking as I do, keeping on top of things, just keeping up with my knowledge of the who's who that's screwing you. And while you may know that previous Defence Minister Bomber Beasley had a stint on their board in between his gigs as Ambassador to the US and his current one as Governor of WA, Amanda Vanstone has now replaced him on the board. I guess they need someone who knows the ins and outs of the current government. Also on their board, by the way, is former Secretary of the Department of Defence, Alan Hawke, who was also Paul Keating's Chief of Staff. And while they're probably not as well known, there's Jeff Brown, whose previous job was Head of the RAAF, and Chris Ritchie, who was the former Chief of the Royal Australian Navy. It seems that the um, revolving door between government and industry keeps spinning round at an increasingly faster rate. Maybe not. Maybe it's always been dust but we now have better information technologies to track these fuckers. I reckon in the future show it could be interesting to go through the boards of the largest arms companies in Australia, having a look at how many retired pollies and public servants and military people there are, and maybe drawing the lines of undue influence. What do you reckon? That's all from me. Anyway, you've been listening to me, Jacob. I'm here at 3CR in beautiful downtown Smith Street, where it's 528 here at 855 on your AM dial. I'll be talking to you again next week, live from Sydney. Until then, I'm going to leave you with the sewer show. So stay pissed off. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.